Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight path for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop, stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Morning, um, St. Saviours. My name's Dan, and um, I'm a member of the church here. And happy bank holiday weekend to all of us. I wonder how many of you watched the coronation yesterday? A few, well, lots of hands up. Wonderful. Wasn't it fantastic? I was um, saying to someone just earlier this week, about how King Charles waited 70 plus years to be king. Certainly most of his life. And he doesn't know, and we don't know, how long his reign will last. What he knows and what we know is that his reign will be temporary because he is a human being. And like all human beings, we have a God-given expiry date. But praise God that we have a heavenly king who will never die, whose reign is eternal, and he reigns in majesty and splendor forever. While now we have Charles as our earthly king, and this was celebrated yesterday, we will respect him, honour him, and pray for him as is right, but our praise and our worship is reserved for Jesus. The king, not just of this country, but of the entire universe. Before he was even born, an angel appeared to Jesus' mother and said, He will be great 
and called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And that can be found in Luke chapter 1. Let's pray together before we look at the passage. Jesus, we worship you. You reign in majesty, in glory, in magnificence, in power and might, and we are your people. Will you speak to our hearts this morning and show us some more of who you are in your precious holy name? Amen. Okay, let's take a look at the passage that Gillian read for us so well this morning. Here we see in this passage Mark's summary of the very start of King Jesus' ministry here on the earth. Not the start of his life, but the start of those three years or so in which he was actively ministering. And our passage essentially falls into three parts. Part one, his cousin John the Baptist prophetically foretelling of Jesus' ministry and telling us that he will, he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Part two, which is Jesus getting baptized in water by John. And then part three, Jesus being driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's take a look at this in a little bit more detail. The promise here in this passage is that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And that's in verse 8. But hold on. He will baptize us. Baptizing is an act of service to other people, not necessarily the job of a king. This points to our king serving us. Surely it should be the other way round. He's the king. It should be us doing good things for him. Look at the coronation yesterday. All the wonderful pomp and ceremony. It was for Charles, not by Charles. Why would a king work for his people in this way? Then, to make it all the more baffling, we are told that Jesus is baptised by John in the River Jordan. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, hang on, that sounds reasonable. Maybe you're feeling reminded of the, image, the images, not that we actually saw it in the end because of the screens that came round, of the archbishop anointing King Charles during yesterday's coronation, and you're thinking this is some kind of an equivalent, but wait a second. This act was not dignified, it was not majestic, wasn't even particularly clean, least not for a king. Jesus descends into the dirty river with his cousin and allows his cousin to dunk him under the water. No pomp, no ceremony, just pure 
old-fashioned wetness. A soggy, Jordanized king. No servants around him to dry him off. No footman waiting to pick him up in his carriage. No one standing on the bank of the river holding his crown. No change of clothes handed to him by one of his gentlemen in waiting. Just two ordinary looking guys standing in the river. And let's not ignore verse 11. The voice from heaven, from God the Father. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. God the Father from heaven speaking out who Jesus is. He is beloved. He is God's son. God is pleased with him. In human terms, we expect the king to be the highest authority. But God puts himself in this position here. How does all of this work? Next, we come to what is arguably, at least I think, one of the most mind-blowing passages in Scripture. Jesus is sent, and in some versions driven, into the wilderness where he is to spend 40 days alone for 40 days. I don't know about you, I have a couple of days on my own and I'm starting to climb the walls a little bit towards the end of it. But here is Jesus, the king, in a wilderness for 40 days. No entourage to tend to him. No court jester to keep him entertained. We are told it was just him, Satan, and the wild animals. Now, just to pause here, I always think this is quite entertaining. When I think of wild animals, I tend to think of like rabbits and squirrels and stuff, but I don't think that that would have been the case in this biblical wilderness. What a party for a king. During this time, he was hanging out with the wildlife and experiencing lots of temptation. Note, temptation and not sin. Matthew chapter 4 gives a more detailed version. The one clue to his kingship here is at the end of verse 13, where we read that the angels were ministering to him. And that seems to me a little bit more like it. So what do we make of all of this? It's interesting, if you read about the Gospels, you'll discover that Mark's Gospel is written from the perspective of Jesus being a servant and not a king. And we certainly see that in today's passage. I want to move now to a different verse that wasn't in our reading this morning, um, well, in fact, it's two verses, Mark 10, verses 43 and 45, three verses, in fact. These are the words of Jesus himself. But whoever would be great among you, said Jesus, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the shocker. Yes, Jesus is king, 
and he always will be, but he came to save and to serve. He came to be a servant. He came to be a servant of all of us, every single one of us. We see it in the events from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Let's take a look at it at an example. Jesus spends us by spend, serves us by spending 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. How is that serving us, you may ask? It's serving us by him experiencing the loneliness that many of us would face. By experiencing the temptation, note again, not the sin that we all face, and by experiencing reliance, total reliance on God the Father in provision of the things to keep him alive. Jesus did all of this to relate to us, to experience the challenges of being fully human and to demonstrate reliance on God to us. This is one of many ways in which he has been a servant to us. Jesus came as a servant for you. The notion in world religion that is that, is that humans serve the deity, but the one true God has put things the other way round. I'll say it again. The notion in world religion is that humans serve the deity, but the one true God has put things the other way round. This is Christianity. This is Jesus, our servant king. He has come to serve me and you. And it is really important, though, that we understand that this does not mean because he's serving us that we get to order him about. Far from it. Yes, he serves us, but he is the higher authority. We do not have authority over him. The famous speaker and theologian John Piper has said, Does it belittle the risen Christ to say he was and is and ever will be a servant? It would if the servant simply meant the one who takes orders or if he thought we were his masters. However, it does not dishonor him to say that we are weak and need his help. It does not dishonor him to say that we are weak and need his help. It does not dishonor him to say that he is the only one that can satisfy us or to say that he is an inexhaustible spring of love and the more we depend on his services, the more amazing his resources appear. 
Does it dishonor Jesus to say that he's, his, he's our servant? Absolutely not. It honors him by being reliant on him. And Jesus' act, his ultimate act of servanthood to every single one of us was giving his life as a ransom for us all. How did this work? Simply put, we've all fallen victim to what Jesus avoided majestically during his period in the wilderness, sin. We've all fallen victim to sin. And Jesus avoided it beautifully. He was tempted but never sinned. We are by nature sinful. None of us are without sin and the result of sin, it says in the Bible, is punishment by death. But Jesus' ultimate act of service, his ultimate act of service was that he died in our place so that we don't have to. What king do you know that would die for his people? My servant king would. And he did. He served us in the ultimate way. And I am so, so thankful. But Jesus' servanthood towards us doesn't end there, thankfully. The reality is we need Jesus to continue to serve us. And he came to serve you, not just back on that day when he died on the cross and three days later he rose again, but he came to serve you for every single day. And when you go through challenging situations and we go through grief and we go through illness or unemployment, or relationship difficulties, financial struggles, whatever it is, understand this. Jesus is here to serve you. And he says, I'll give you strength to get you through today. I'll give you peace that passes all understanding. Joy that defies your circumstances. Jesus says, I am here to serve you. That's the reason I came. Kirsty, do you want to come back up? We live in a fallen world where all of us face challenges and difficulties and the reality is, is that sometimes we're left with difficult questions, burning questions about what we've been through. Why did this happen? Often, we don't get to find out what the answer to that question is. But Jesus is here, and he's here for you and he exists today.
and he exists, this blows my mind, as a man. A man like us, who's experienced the things that we've experienced, who's been through the pain, been through the loneliness, been through the worry, the grief, the fear. He exists as a man, but a man king in heaven, a servant king. A servant king who the Bible tells us, and this blows my mind, intercedes for us. He prays for you and for me. And the truth is, he can be there for you in the midst of the trials, the troubles, the questions. The reality is that knowing this truth might not take away the pain, but it can bring hope. It might not take away the pain, but it can bring hope. Jesus knows, he sees, he sympathizes with you. There is nothing, nothing about being human that Jesus doesn't relate to. Put your trust in him to serve you. If you're able, will you stand? I'm going to pray together. And uh, Kirsty's going to lead us in worshipping our King. But let's pray. Jesus, our servant King. Thank you that you served us by dying in our place. And thank you that your serving of us didn't end there. But you continue, you continue to serve us day by day. You provide hope. You provide joy. You provide healing. You provide deliverance. You provide restoration. And I ask you now to come and serve me. In the quiet while Kirsty plays, I just encourage you to bring something to the Lord that you would like him to do for you. Unembarrassed, unashamed, just between you and our Father who serves. And now we worship you expectation. You are our servant King. Amen.